Okay. <clears throat> We're doing now Tuesday of the portion of Chayisara. Now, in the Parsha thus far, the end of last week's portion was the ultimate test of Abraham, the sacrifice of Isaac, and then Isaac, of course, survives and is not sacrificed, but this leads ultimately to the passing of Sarah. The beginning of this week's portion, Abraham's mourning for Sarah, burial of Sarah, and focus on finding this wife for Isaac, because here he was almost sacrificed. So obviously he needs to continue his line, and his soulmate was born exactly then at the time of the sacrifice, so three years later, she's old enough at age three to be taken out of this place of complete evil where she was, and therefore immediately, as soon as she turned three, on that very day, Abraham sends his most trusted follower, Eliezer, as his shliach. This is the first shliach. Shliach means an emissary. And an emissary of a person is like the person himself. He's in his stead. So it's as if Abraham is going, he's sending Eliezer as his emissary to perform the first shidduch. It's the first matrimony that we see discussed in the Torah, which is connecting these two soulmates, Isaac and Rebekah, Extracting Rebecca from this, as she was considered, this beautiful rose among these thorns, pulling the rose out of the thorns and connecting her to her soulmate, to Isaac. So Eliezer had received all the instructions from Abraham. And today's portion is when he goes to fulfill it. And then tomorrow's, he recounts to Rebecca's father and brother what happened. So we actually see that this matrimony is discussed two to three times in the Torah, even though many, many commandments are only alluded to by a word or two. And here we have these details recounted so many times. They were so incredibly significant and precious. The process of the fusion of these two enormous souls of Rebecca and Isaac, not only as individual great people, but as those that are now going to produce the Jewish people, and also as enormous energies, spiritual Kabbalistic forces of energy, the purpose of all creation now coming together in this marriage. So we're in chapter 24, verse 10. This is after Abraham instructed Eliezer and had him swear. Then the slave, meaning Eliezer, took ten camels of his master's camels and went with all the bounty of his master in his hand, and he rose and went to Aram Naharaim to the city of Nahar. So he took his master's camels, so Rashi questioned, because obviously there were his master's camels, so what other camels would he have taken? So the point being, these were distinctly, obviously, Abraham's camels, because they were muzzled, so they shouldn't graze in others' fields. With all the good of his master in his hand, well, how do you take all the good in your hand? So what he took was actually a document that Abraham wrote, dedicating everything he had, gifting everything he had to Isaac, which is a lot of commentary and question on this concept, because how was he allowed to give away everything he had, and why, why was it even necessary? I mean, 
Abraham was fabulously wealthy. If he had given Isaac a third of his estate, that would be enough to make anyone want to have their daughter marry him. Why do you have to give everything? And um, many answers to that, but basically what was now being created was the continuation of the Jewish people. And Abraham's entire existence was dedicated to the Jewish people, and therefore everything of Abraham's existence was part of this matrimony, and therefore he dedicated all of his possessions, that every part of him should be involved in the matrimony, in the next stage in the formation of the Jewish people. He went to Aram Naharayim. Aram Naharayim means the Aram of the two rivers. Because it was situated between two rivers. It's in the area we call Mesopotamia, between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers. He made the camels kneel outside the city at a well of water at evening time, at a time when the women who draw water come out. So he made them kneel, Rashi means he made them lie down, because when camels lie down, they bend their knees and tuck them under their bodies. So kneeling means resting or lying down, in reference to camels. And he said, so this is now Elias now praying to God, God, God of my master Abraham, may you so arrange it for me this day and do kindness with my master Abraham. See, I stand here by the spring of water and the daughters of the townsmen come out to draw water. Let it be that the maiden whom I shall say, please tip your jug so I may drink. He replies, drink, and I will even water your camels. Her will you have chosen for your servant for Isaac. May I know through her that you have done kindness with my master. So you have chosen means she's fitting because we could see she's someone of kindness, that she's this complete stranger she's offering to give him to drink and to all the camels, which of course is a big job. So she's worthy to enter Abraham's household. So this, this, this word means you've selected her. And he's praying here, may I know through her, it's, it's supplication. In other words, here he was given this job to find Isaac's mate. And he's like, how am I supposed to know who she is? Well, of course, he can find out who, who are the, you know, female descendants here of Abraham's family, as, as Abraham had instructed him, but not just her lineage. She has to be personally worthy. So if I'm going to see this, if she's of his family, she's of the family of Abraham, and she's fitting for him because she's so kind, then I would know that you have done such kindness with my master, with Abraham. And it was when he had not yet finished speaking that suddenly Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nachar, the daughter of Abraham, was coming out with her jug upon her shoulder. So the verse is telling you that Rebekah is from the family of Abraham. In other words, she is the granddaughter of Abraham's brother. Right? Abraham had a brother, Nachar. Nachar had a son, Bethuel. Bethuel had a daughter, Rebekah. That a maiden was very fair of appearance, a virgin, and no man had known her. She descended to the spring, filled her jug, and ascended. So the reason why we have both these expressions, the virgin and no man had known her, is because in those days you could be a virgin, but you still could have relationships from other places, which is what the people, the girls in those days would do. And here the verse is testifying that she was clean of all immoral conduct. The slave ran towards her and said, let me sip, please, a little water from your jug. So why is he suddenly running toward her? I mean, there's lots of girls. How did he know she was the right one? But he saw that when she came to the well, the waters went up toward her. So obviously he understood this, this, this must be the one. This girl is obviously very special. The water is coming to make it easier for her to 
port to draw the water. So let me sip, as Rashi explains this word, this idea of, of sipping, of sucking in, of drinking. So she said, drink, my lord, and she hurried and she lowered her jug to her hand and gave him drink. So she took it from her shoulder and she gave it to him. When she finished giving him drink, she said, I will draw water even for your camels until they have finished drinking. Now here, we see how kind was Rebecca that he didn't even, I mean, he's a complete stranger. She doesn't know who he is. And some stranger comes and says, you know, can you give me water? And she only gives him water, which of course is a nice thing to do. But she sees all of these camels here. Remember, he has 10 camels. Camels drink a lot of water. And she said, oh, you know what? No problem. I can also you know, draw water for all these 10 camels. So it just shows you her, her character. This is, of course, the woman we stem from. This is the nature of a Jew, to be kind. So the Rosh explains the words in the Hebrew, until they have finished, means that that they have finished. And Unkos explains, finished meaning they had enough. The camels are drinking until they have enough. So she hurried and she emptied her jug into the trough and kept running to the well to draw water and she drew for all his camels. So she was emptying out this this word, I mean to empty out, she kept emptying out her jug. So she put enough water here for 10 camels to drink in this trough and this brush explains this hollow stone from which the camels were drinking. The man was astonished at her reflecting silently to know whether God had made his journey successful or not. He was astonished. It was like it's a language of bewilderment because he was amazed that like my mission is, is so quickly successful, but at the same time, I don't know if it's successful. I see her character. I see she has enormous uh, good quality. I mean, she look at this kindness. It's amazing. And look at her, her saintliness. The water's rising to her. She's obviously very personally worthy, but I don't know her lineage yet. Is she Abraham's family or not? So maybe very, very quickly, my mission has been accomplished, but I don't know. Now, in the Hebrew, Rashi spends a long time explaining something, the grammatical structure of this word. The word in Hebrew is mishta'eh. Now, when we have a verb and we make it reflexive in Hebrew, we add a tuf to the root word, to the shayrash. Reflexive meaning it goes back on itself. So he was astonished. He was taken aback. Normally, the tough is placed before the root word. But with certain letters, certain letters of the Hebrew alphabet, you can't grammatically do that. You just, the word won't work. So it's actually placed, splitting the verb, so to speak, splitting the, the root word between the first and second letters of the root word, as in this word, mishta'eh, that the shorosh is shin, aleph, hey, and splitting the shin and the aleph is the tough, which makes it reflexive. Um, the word actually has mishta Allah. He was astonished at her. So usually law would mean to her, but here it means about her. And it was when the camels had finished drinking, that's a lot of water. You know, she drew a lot of water for 10 camels. The man took a golden nose ring, its weight a becca, and two bracelets on her arms, 10 gold shekels their weight. So right away... He has no clue who yes she is, but he's positive. He knows who she is, and he readily gives her all of this very expensive, obviously, special jewelry. And everything had spiritual implications. So the, the golden nose ring was a becca, 
Becca is an allusion to the shkolim that the Jews are going to give, the half shekel that each Jew had to donate to the temple because its weight was a Becca. Becca is half the weight of the coin of the shekel. Um, and the reason why we're explaining it this way is because a Becca is not an unusual weight for a nose ring. It was an unusual weight, the verse would mention it. But since it's fairly typical, why does the verse bother mentioning it? So it must be because it's significant. And similarly, it says, and two bracelets. So if it just said bracelets, we know it's two. The fact that the verse is specifying two bracelets means there's a significance. The Rashi says two bracelets is an allusion to the two tablets. And ten gold shekels as their weight is an allusion to the Ten Commandments on the tablets. Now, again, here we'd say, well, we need to know that it's ten shekels as their weight, how, how, how we know their weight. But since everything else was symbolic, we understand that the ten shekels of their weight is also symbolic. And then, after giving her the jewelry, he says, and he says, whose daughter are you? That was question number one. Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for lodging for us? So, after he gave her the nose ring and the bracelets, he asked her, even though you'd think he would ask her first, but because he was so confident in the merit of Abraham that God had, you know, taken care of everything and made his journey successful. And he asked, is there lodging for us for one night? That was the Hebrew word he used, lina, lalin. But when Rebecca answers, she says there's a place to lodge for many nights. Because, or some explain it to mean that she says there's lodging for many people, lodging for many people for many nights, or infinite lodging, no limitations on the lodging. Again, all of which, again, show her generosity and her kindness. She, she has no clue who he is. This complete stranger who's just asking her for water. And then she gives him water. And then she gives all the camels water. And then he says, can I sleep over your house? And then she says, sure, you and all your men, however long you want, no problem. She definitely fits in the house of Abraham. So she said to him, I am the daughter of Basuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahar. So she answered him in order, as our sages say, is the appropriate way to do this. The first thing he said is, who am I? So let me give you that too. And then she's going to respond about the sleeping. And she said to him, even straw, even feed is plentiful with us as well as a place to lodge. So feed means all the food of the animals. We call that in general the feed. And again, we see in the Hebrew term she used, lalon, this idea of the infinitive form of the verb because there's no limitations on the amount of lodging. We definitely see from her character traits that she was completely fitting to be the wife of Isaac, the daughter-in-law of Abraham. And we see from her lineage that she was exactly who Abraham was looking for, someone from his family. We also, of course, learn from this where we come from and what we can, should, and of course, all of us will be on this level of also such graciousness and kindness and generosity. <laughs>